You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord somebody. Amen. Okay, on Sunday we began to look at enjoying the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Enjoying our God. We learned that the chief end of man, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Or to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Praise the Lord. And in that uh, meeting, we saw that there were different stages at which people related to God. And we saw that the extreme stage, which is where nobody, I believe, listening to me, or watching, or who will ever listen, is in that category. Is the grade or the stage where these people defy God. Where Satan is their master and they know it. Where they consider themselves as gods. And we found in that category, people like Pharaoh, people like Nebuchadnezzar, who learned their lessons. Nebuchadnezzar was able to repent and to declare that there is no God like the God of Daniel. And he commanded, he actually made a decree that everybody in his realm must worship and bow before this God. Praise the Lord. And we saw that their captain was who? Lucifer. Praise the Lord. And we saw the next group. The next group are those who do not take God seriously at all. They ignore God. Okay, it's not actually ignorance. They ignore him. They turn their backs on him. They hear him, but they disregard him. Okay, they don't say that God's, but they just act as if he's not there. And this is where you find people who say they're secular. The simple meaning of secular is to be worldly, non-spiritual, not considering anything beyond the materialist, you know, the material you can touch. And we saw in this group, we saw Cain. We saw that Cain had actually attempted to worship God. And then when God spoke to him and said, you didn't get it right, make this adjustment, make this adjustment. He completely ignored God and, like we would say, took matters into his hands. But you know he lived to regret it. You remember, praise God. We also saw Esau. The same thing was with Esau. Esau was in the lineage of Abraham. And we saw that the Bible told us God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. So he could have been God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But at the moment of decision, Esau said, what is that God thing? What is that birthright? Some persons are in moments of decisions and are saying, now that one I go chop. Will I kill myself? Am I the one who killed Jesus and all of that? When you make such decisions, you're actually turning your back on God. And the Bible says when uh, uh, Esau finally wanted the better, wanted the thing that God promised him. He said he sought it earnestly with tears, but it could not be given to him. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Then the other group, which is slightly better are those who acknowledge God. This acknowledgement is not the acknowledgement of gratitude. They concede that he's present. They recognize him in their protocols. These are the people that will say, okay, pray. They are holding meetings. You know, somebody had um, you know, said our meetings in Nigeria are always opened with prayers, either Christian prayers or Islamic prayers or both. But after those prayers are said, the most ungodly things are decided in the meeting. 
without disregard. So that is what it is. It's the God of protocol where they considered somewhere God is there. And that's where we find men like Saul, King Saul, who considered and acknowledged God, but did not hearken, did not consider him important enough. And the Bible tells of this, we say, they draw near me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. That is not any of us in Jesus' name. The fourth group is where we see these are the people who know they need God. They know they need God, and this becomes the primary inspiration of their relationship with God. It is that necessity. Now, that is not wrong, because we need God. Praise the Lord. The songwriter sang and says, you are the air I breathe. Isn't it? He is life. He is in, the Bible says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So we need him more than ever. But this level is where God is only a convenience. So we come to him because he satisfies one thing or the other. And that determines the basis of the relationship. Okay? It's a transactional relationship. So I need God to do this. I need God to protect me. I need God to solve this problem. And everything I do with God is determined based on my need. Forgetting that God, we learned many, I think many years ago, many months ago, that God is a person. Praise the Lord. And God himself, even though he's omnipotent, even though he's omniscient, even though he's omnipresent and all of that, said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Why would somebody almighty, without need, decide to make man in his image. God wanted something from man as well, isn't it? God wants man to fellowship with him like we saw in the Garden of Eden when he would come down and fellowship with man. So, but when this group of persons, when we come and we see God purely on this basis, it breaks his heart. And that's why Jesus said to them in John 6 that we looked at on Sunday 26 and 27, he says, you, you seek me. Not because you believe in me. You seek me because I walked a miracle and you ate miracle loaf. You ate miracle bread. You see, it's okay. I didn't do the bread so that you won't eat it. So God has no problems with meeting our needs. Praise the Lord. I hope this is very clear in our meeting today. That we cannot overemphasize that God is almighty. Praise the Lord. That God is El Shaddai. So God is healer. Praise the Lord. He's restorer. He's rebuilder. Okay? God makes provisions. He provides money, you know, in the time that you need it most. He will solve house rent issues. He meets us at the point of our needs. Praise the Lord. But God is more than that. And when we reduce our relationship with him to just those needs, it hurts him. Just like Jesus said. Jesus didn't blame them for eating the food. The miracle bread he made for them. He said, I wish you saw beyond the bread so that you could follow me and then eat the bread and then have everlasting life. Like you would see in that John 6, if you read to the end, these people who ate that bread later turned their backs on him because they could not bear what he was bringing to them. That is the danger when we stop at the level of need. Where if it's not convenience, if it's not meeting something on the surface, we miss it. Whereas God began the relationship with man 
at a point where man had no need. Never forget this. Anytime you're in a situation in your Christian life, I want you to think, if you were Adam, listen, Adam had no financial, uh, material, uh, emotional, he had no need. But do you know what? Praise the Lord, somebody. Do you know what? Adam still felt. Some of us say, well, you know, pastor, you don't understand. If I were married, pastor, if you don't understand. If I had a job, pastor, if you don't understand. If I had this problem sorted, if I got my healing. Adam had none of those needs and still fell. God was a whisper away. You know why? He did not get right what you and I are learning today. Praise the Lord. Never allow the enemy to deceive you, to make you think that, Oh, if I just get this thing, let me just, if I get this thing, and then I'm all right with God. No, Adam had no target. That's why when God appeared on the scene and said, what did you do? He had no reasons, no excuses. And the same way, anytime any Christian misses it, there are no excuses. If you check your heart, you will know. Praise the Lord. You know, you form up these things, but they are not genuine. So this evening we want to, we, we want to see why and, and make sure that we transit to the place where we are not at that level of convenience. This convenience level, you come to church, you give and you give because you want to, you know, get and you, you know, you give sometimes because people are going to be noticing that you didn't give. And then when there is no service and, you know, they say nobody pushes you for offering, you don't give your offering. You say, thank God, you know, good riddance to that trouble, some of this thing. You know, at this level, you're just on the borderline. And anything can happen and you sleep. Praise the Lord. This is the level where if you travel from your base, your Christianity becomes, you know, diluted. You're no longer as fervent. If people are not watching, why? Because you have not found him. It's not a relationship. He does not live in your heart. And you don't also live in his heart. You don't see him. The psalmist said, I have said the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. If you are at the level of convenience, you can't say the Lord before you. You know what you said before you? Your breakthrough. The next need. The problem. The paramount problem. That's what you said before you. But when you do that, it's so easy for the devil to lead you and lead you. And you will miss the most important thing, which is what? The salvation of your soul, the gift of eternal life. Praise God. So we want to get to that place where we enjoy God. Hallelujah. And he does what? He enjoys us. And then we're in a relationship that is unbreakable, no matter what happens. Praise the Lord. Where we are established in him. That's where we want to get to. And what we want to do tonight quickly is to just see why we should be there. And we saw last Sunday in Genesis 5.24, we saw Enoch. The Bible says, Enoch walked with God and was not. Why? For God took him. This is something you should ponder as a Christian. They didn't tell us the details. What we saw was that these two people were in love. And nothing could stop them. And if anything was going to come in between, God said, let's go. And that's it. They didn't give us any more. But we know that this Enoch must have found such delight in the Lord. The Apostle Paul talks about Demas. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Having what? Love this present world. 
So it means Enoch did not bother about Maitama, the property. He did not bother about the property in Dubai. None of those things were his concern. He didn't even bother about his wife and children. That's how much in love. He had had children at that time. Praise the Lord. He didn't bother about the Pounderdiam and Onubusu. All of that was immaterial to him. He just loved the Lord and the Lord loved him. And what happened? The Lord took him. Now, Enoch is registered for us. That is so early in the Bible. Genesis 5.22. It's a pattern. Now, if you read your Bible and you meditate on the word of God, you'll find that God loves people. Or not, let me not say he loves the whole world, okay? But God enjoys people to the extent that they love him, not their giftings. You know, the tendency many times with human beings is that human beings appreciate you based on your value, isn't it? But you see, God is the giver of every value. Do you know that if you're very tall, who made you tall? It's God. If you're very intelligent, who made you intelligent? God. If you're a yellow man, white man, red man, whatever, who made you? God. So God cannot be impressed with the giftings and talents and the graces that you have. He doesn't impress him. He's the one who looked and distributed everything. So what impresses God, simple, is that thing that you yourself can do, which is loving him back. That is what we are learning. So you find where God makes references to human beings. God never said this person can run very fast, just like we would say, or this person can sing so well. David could sing so well. David composed songs. David was a great warrior. But none of those things impressed God. Do you know that? Do you know what impressed God about David? He said he's a man, what? After my heart. The good news about that is that anybody listening to me can enter into that category. You may not be able to kill a lion. You know, sometimes I've sat down and, you know, because, you see, I don't know about you, but I want to be great in the sight of the Lord. How many want to be great in the sight? I want to matter, not before men. I don't care about men, but I want to matter. So sometimes I will see it. I've seen lions on television. I've never seen a real lion. And I wondered, and the Bible said, David killed a lion with his bare hands. And then I was wondering, God, you see, you mean if I see a lion now, I should actually engage it with my bare hands. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Some of us are laughing. I mean, I think about those things, you see, but thank God, God is not challenging me to kill a lion with my bare hands. He just said, let my heart, what, beat after his own heart. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank God that I'm not going to kill a bear. Have you seen a bear before? You know, lion is not a sessional. It's not a big dog. Lion is lion. Praise the Lord. So, so, but David and this man did all this thing. But God didn't say, I love David. Why? Because he killed a lion. No. What is in killing a lion? Praise God. God can, you know, give the inspiration, or rather the power. So he says, this is a secret. He says, this man were after my heart. Another person in the Bible that God refers to is Abraham. I want you to see why you must seek. You know, we concluded on Sunday by saying, I want you to pray about it. This is not what, there are some things that can be taught. I can only stimulate a desire in you. And I don't know about you, but at the intervals, I've been asking myself, Lord, am I enjoying you? Is anything catching my attention? Is anything, you know, drawing me away from you? I want to love you. I want to enjoy you. Just how many of us actually have things we enjoy? Just Wave your hand. You have things you enjoy. Anybody can give me an example, you know, of what you enjoy. You know, I mean, like um, some particular food you enjoy. Okay, uh-huh. massage. You enjoy being massaged. Okay, 
You enjoy some particular, you enjoy driving nice cars, you know, all of that. Now, what we're learning is this. Make sure that in time to come, in a couple of weeks, months, depending, that you enjoy the Lord even much more than those things. Make that your target. Praise the Lord. So we share another person in the scripture, Abraham. Abraham, the father of faith, isn't it? What did God say about Abraham? He says, Abraham is my friend. Hallelujah. Do you know what it means? It's not the president saying you're his friend. It's not the president. It's God. In Isaiah 41 verse 8, he says, Abraham, my friend, my friend. Abraham. So a man can get to the point where God, imagine even, I mean, as small as I am now, you know, just a tiny little pastor somewhere. If I stand on this pulpit and say, brother so-so is my friend. You know, he puts you on a different class altogether. I mean, I love everybody here. I love everyone listening. But when that announcement is made, you want to look and say, ah, ah, what is special about him? Praise the Lord. That's what is special about Abraham is that Abraham enjoyed fellowship with the Lord. He loved the Lord. That's it. That's it. Who doesn't want to be in that category? It is Abraham. You see, we know Abraham was rich. We know he was all of that. But that didn't make him say. It was the relationship. And then talking about Moses, he said, I spoke to him face to face as a man will speak to his friend. I want to be there. Praise the Lord. I desire to be there and I know you want to be there and God will bring us there in Jesus' name. So that's the one reason we want to move into the category of enjoyers of God. We want to move there because it seems to be the secret of many that have gone ahead of us. In this group, you're sure to finish well. In this group, you're sure to finish well. It's unfortunate, but Solomon is such an example for us. Solomon was so privileged, but we don't see his finish like this. Why? We saw what happened. The Bible says God loved Solomon, but unfortunately, what happened? Solomon did what? Loved many foreign women. So the equation, the circuit was not complete. The circuit was broken. And the thing didn't work. He didn't finish well. He's the one that was later that was telling us he has seen that everything is vanity. Abraham didn't finish and tell us everything was vanity. David didn't tell us that everything was vanity. In fact, David said, the Bible says of David, that David has served God in his generation and fell asleep. Let that be our testimony in the name of Jesus. The second reason, sorry, why we must move into enjoyment is that is the only reasonable response, you see, John 3.16 makes us understand. For God would so love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we see here God's love. Okay? Now, if God loves us to the extent that he gives his only begotten son, okay, to die for us, if I believe that, praise God, if I believe that, what do you think should? You know, many times as Christians, you know, you read the Bible or you're telling someone, you say, just believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. You know, that's the truth. But you see, who is Jesus? Jesus is God come in the form of man to die for my sins. Now, why would God come down to die? How many of us here, you, do you know you have a House of Reps members representing your place? Do you know you have senators representing? How many of you have had them visit your locality? Do you even know them? They will not come. There's no money to be shared there. Praise the Lord. But you see, for God the Son to come down, to tabernacle himself as a man, he walked on earth, going about saying, son of man. He did that because of the love. 
he had for us. And he did that to die for us so that we can be redeemed and be made children of God. If I believe that and I simply go to him only when I'm sick to heal me. I simply go to him when I'm depressed to encourage me. I simply go to him when I need money to provide money for him. Do I really believe that? I don't believe that. If I believe he did that for me, then my consideration and my meditation must be what? What will I do for this one who has done so much for me? And that gives us the account in the Bible in Luke 7, 36 to 50. In Luke 7, 36 to 50, you can just take note of it. We won't go into the details. It's the account of the woman who the Bible says, verse 42 says, a woman in the city who was a sinner. You see, this woman had been forgiven. She knew that she was a sinner. Is there anybody here who was never a sinner? I was one. So knowing that in my sin, Jesus came and laid his life down for me. Listen, I believe that. I believe he did that. Not because I'm worthy like the song, you know, we sang said. But because he loved me. Do you think that I should just treat him anyhow? I will cherish him. I will adore him. He's the champion of my salvation. He's my redeemer. He's my life. He's the one who saved me. Praise the Lord. Now, what that does is this. Automatically, I want to love him back. Just like we saw in this woman. And the way Jesus explained to the Pharisee. Jesus said to the Pharisee, the problem is that, you see, you see me as two steps above you. I came to your house. You're giving me food. We're sitting on the same table. You didn't give me water to wash my feet. You didn't ask any of those because you're a Pharisee. This is a prophet. So, I mean, highest, I'm 70%. He's 80. You know, we're just in the same neighborhood. But this woman saw me and saw that if there were a grace, she was minus infinity and I was above infinity. That's why she would bow down and worship me and with her hair wash my feet. She appreciates because she understands who I am. Praise the Lord. Now, when you and I appreciate who God is and what he has done for us in Christ, we will love him. The picture of that is captured clearly in Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, the Bible says that God said to Abraham, Now take your only son. 22 verse 2. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you what? Whom you love. Whom you love. He says, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, when this request was made of Abraham, it was a test. What test was it? It was a test of who is your number one love. That's why they said the one you love. It wasn't God requesting for an offering. God does not request for human sacrifices. But God always tests what a man loves. And this test is similar, very similar, to the same test that Jesus put to the rich young ruler. You see, when that rich young ruler came to Jesus, he had kept all the commandments. He was doing well. But you see, Jesus looking at him, loved him. Knew that I love this boy or this man or whatever he was. I love him. But I see he has problems. I'm not number one. So Jesus said to him, I perceive. He didn't say this, you know, to him. He's saying through me now. You see? He's saying, he said, I perceive you love your wealth more than you love me. So can you please go and get that thing, that thing off so that we can get in this thing together and enjoy ourselves? You know what the Bible said? The Bible said this young man, this ruler did what? 
he turned and went away what? Sorrowful. Why? Because he loved his wealth more than he loved Jesus. Jesus had no issue with the wealth. He had issue with the love of the wealth. And that's what the test of Abraham was here. It's a difficult one because he had sent away Ishmael and this was the only one. But the key thing there is the one you love. The one you love. When we understand what we are learning, then we must continually fight to see that Jesus is our highest love. That's why he says, seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness and every other thing shall be added. So we push to enter into where we enjoy God first because it's the secret of the things that have gone ahead. Two, because it's a reasonable response. The third reason is that God commands it. That is his goodness. You see, when I was going to write this one, I had to pause because you see, when we talk love, command sounds off, isn't it? So if God wants me to love him, commanding it sounds a bit off. Now, I want you to open it to a particular scripture. It's in Hebrews 12, 9 and 10. It will help you. In Hebrews 12, 9 and 10, the Holy Spirit compared for us human fathers and God the Father. It says there, it says, furthermore, it's talking about discipline and correction. It says, furthermore, we have had human fathers who did what? Who corrected us and we paid them respect. It says, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? It says, for these human fathers, indeed for a few days, chastened us, as seemed best to them. Now, this is it. It's saying here, to the extent that as human fathers, we love our children and we want the best for them. When we correct them or command them or instruct them to do certain things, it's not even perfect because we don't have perfect knowledge. Okay? But it's okay because we know you're doing your best. Okay? There is that, you know, parental love. But it says he himself, when God instructs or corrects or commands or demands of you, it says everything he's asking of you is what? For your profit. For your profit. Hallelujah, somebody. It's for your profit. I saw this. I said, Lord, have mercy on me. Because we have a generation of Christians now who don't want to hear commandments. It irritates them. Anything commandment, they fight it. But don't forget that Jesus did not destroy the commandments. He even took it a notch higher, you know. Whereas the commandment says, whosoever does what? Uh, commits adultery. Jesus said, if you look and wish you could, if nobody will catch you, you say you have already committed. So he didn't destroy the commandments, but that's not where I'm going. What I'm trying to say here is this. God in his love for us, Deuteronomy 6.5, commands that we love him. Now, that command is not because God is lonely somewhere. No, no. God is not some lonely God looking for who to love. The reason God commands that we love him is that it's for our good. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Yes. It's for our good. That's the reason he says we should love him. Deuteronomy 6, 5, Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37. You know, it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Simply say you have to take delight in me. With everything you have. Why? Because it is what will help you enter into the benefit. Maximize who I am for you. If you don't do this, you will shortchange yourself. That's what he's saying. So it's a command, but from today, don't look at it as a command. Don't look at any word of God concerning you as a command. I don't find another word you're going to call it. 
Call it a love letter. Call it, you know, whatever it is. Because it's not. It's for our good. God has no need that we are going to meet. When God says, love me, he's not looking for affirmation from you. He's almighty. Praise the Lord. Around his throne, there are 24 elders that are continually bowing. There are four living creatures that are bound continually. There are innumerable company of angels that are worshipping him continually. Every second he's hearing praises. So when you and I praise God, we don't add anything to him. We add to ourselves. Are you getting it? So, but in his love, he says, this is the greatest commandment. Why? He knows that when we get it, we are blessed. Praise the Lord. The fourth reason why we must press in. I'm saying I want to provoke your desire to be an enjoyer of God. The fourth reason we must press in is what the early church found in Acts 2. Maybe I might need to read that. Acts 2 from verse 40. Because you come to our time. I, I don't know how many of us actually read the Bible and ask questions. You come to our time and it's as though as the years go, it gets worse. I know that when I got born again, 1994, 95, you know, and they said, come for new believers class. The service then, you finish service in the morning, that's Lagos. And then you come back by three or four for new believers class. Okay? Now, those classes, I can't remember anyone who was born again who did not come. Everybody ran. You know what Lagos is? Okay? So, we did all of that. Why? Today, even one meeting, people are struggling. You see them, you know, carrying themselves. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said to me, what? Let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's see what happened with the early church. In Acts chapter 2 verse 40, it says, And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. It says, look at it, verse 41. Then those who gladly received the word, those who gladly received his word, were baptized, and that they were, about 3,000 souls were added to them. It says, and they continued what? Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. It says, then fear came upon every soul. Do you know that this evangelism we talk about, if you're out with your friends, four of them, you're on the phone, and they say, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going somewhere. They say, where are you going? You say, I'm going to church. Do you know you won't have to beg them to come? But when you're chatting with them and you say, ah, oh boy, ah. I go come back. I go see where he said we get fellowship with a frown in your face. And then you're asking them to come and join you. Who wants to go to where makes you sad? Are you getting what I'm saying? Nobody wants to go there. Okay. So it says, for the first goes on. It says, now all who believe were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had in it says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with what again? Gladness. Gladness. They were happy. They were happy. They were enjoying fellowship with gladness and simplicity of heart. 47 says, praising God and what? Having favor with all the people. Why? Because they were happy. I remember when the first church started, where every time we gather, we are just happy, having fun. And then people will want to come in. But today, when everybody, when even those who are supposed to be ministering are coming in, and it's as though they are pulling them with rope like this, people around will be running away. But it's such a bad representation because our God is beautiful. I don't know about you. Our God is lovely. Song of Solomon says, you're altogether lovely. Praise the Lord. He's the lily of the valley. He's a brighter morning star. 
He's the fairest of 10,000. Somebody say, Lord, open my eyes to see your beauty. The devil is a liar. He has shut our eyes to the excellence and the majesty and the beauty of our God. And people treat God now as something, you know, just the way you behave when you enter a plane and they're telling you where the life jacket is. You don't even want it. Just get this thing done with. That's how people, just an essential time that you have to just, you know, some of us that are watching online, just give them one hour for those who will actually give. Just give one hour and then your conscience is at please you continue with your business. That's not it now. He's a wonderful God. Somebody say, I love you, Lord. This is what the early church had. And look at what 47 says. Praising God and having favor with all the people. So even those who were not amongst them, you know, looked at them and said, something is going on in his life. Something is going on. I see him every early morning, swinging and dancing as he goes out. They say, where is he going? They say, he's going to church. He's going to church. He's going to fellowship. May the Lord restore to us the joy of our salvation. In the name of Jesus. The fifth one and where we stop for this evening is that it is the wise alternative. I like this one because this actually caught me. Like on Sunday, we referred to our academics and we said how you just love some courses, isn't it? Love the lecturers and what happened? You excelled in those courses. But I'm sure you know that it's not every course that you loved and enjoyed, isn't it? What happened to the ones you didn't love and enjoy? Didn't they add it to your aggregate, your GPA? It was still part of it. So who did you punish by not enjoying it? Who suffered? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. You know, so I remember those days, some people actually planned that when they enter the hall, they will just take their paper and just write, you know, nonsense. They plan to get an F. Who are you getting the F for? Is your F. Is your name. You understand what I'm saying? If it's in the university, it brings down your GPA. Whether you like it or not. So you like this one, you go enjoy it and you get an A in it. Beautiful 4.0. You play with this one, you just want to cross over, you get 1.8 or 2.0. At the end of the day, who is suffering? Is the lecture affected? No. I'll show you a scripture. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Let's read 47. But put 47 and 48 for me. Let's read 47 first. 47 says, it says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God, with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. So this is the first option. If I were to go back to school now, I will seek to like every lecturer. Are you getting what I'm saying? I will seek to enjoy every course once it is my portion. Once it is necessary for me to get my degree in that area, I will seek to enjoy it. You know why? It's an option, first option. He said, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. You're free. Is that what he said? Look at 48 and see what he says. He said 48, therefore you shall what? It simply means serve, I will serve. Is it not? Serve, you will serve. Everyone will serve something. Show me Romans 14, 11, please. We must understand that God is sovereign. Romans 14, 11, we'll come back here. God is sovereign. And he has said, as I live, Said the Lord. I want you never to forget that. He says, as I live, says the Lord. Every knee, whether they're LGBTQXYZ, every knee shall bow. Whether they're false prophets, whether they're calling phone number, a time will come. Everybody shall acknowledge that word. Jesus Christ is Lord. A time will come. We will all kneel. 
The difference is this. Are you going to kneel in joy? Are you going to kneel in trembling and panic? I saw a scripture recently that, you know, was so interesting. I looked at it before. I never seen it. Do you know when the Bible says the son of righteousness in Malachi, I believe three, says the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Do you know that as the same sun is rising and people are rejoicing in his rising, some people are trembling. The same Jesus. That's what it is. The same Jesus when he comes, some people are going to be glad. Just the same way, if you're right and you're doing everything right and you're in a place where there's some commotion, you'll be glad at the siren of the police. But the person there who is carrying some cocaine or carrying some illegal things, the sound of police is terror to him. It's the same way. Anyway, so going back to Deuteronomy 28, I said it's the wise alternative. We are still going to serve the Lord. And more so if you're already a believer in Christ. How long are you going to struggle thinking the things of the Lord about it? And somebody will be there and saying, but pastor, how do I get there? Pray. Many years ago, I can't remember what my wife offered me. And I said, I don't like the taste. Say, acquire the taste. Do you know you can acquire the taste? Praise the Lord. You can acquire the taste. Hallelujah. When the doctor tells you that sugar is not good for you, take away all the sugar. You know, they always tell you to take away all the things that are nice. Take away oil. Take away salt. Take away what again? You know, all the nice things. And then you look at your food like this. You put it in the mouth. It's bland. What do you do? You acquire the taste. As simple as that. But that's not to say in any way that God is not excellent. I'm just trying to help us to get wisdom. So we must, brethren, we must pray. We must desire. We must hunger to get to the place where we love the Lord. When we say enjoy, you can replace a synonymous with saying love. We must love him. Praise the Lord. I must love him. I must love to give. The Bible says God loves what? A cheerful giver. That's why in this church we don't push people to give. Because if we push you to give, you may have given to the Father's church, but you have not given to God. And it won't be profitable for you. It says God loves a cheerful giver. You must love to give. As I'm preaching to you now, I must love to do it. It's a commission that has been given to me. If I do it against my will, no gain for me. You must love to come to church. You must love to come. Whatever you do for the, you must love. Praise the Lord. You must love the brethren. You must love to study your Bible. If you don't already love that, pray to love it. Praise the Lord. Pray to love it. How many of us listen to the news here? I know many don't. I remember as a young boy, I never understood what my father did listening to news. How can you put on television? You see, there is no Bruce Lee. There is no, uh, what are the names? Um... Tom and Jerry, Scooby-Doo. How many of us remember all those people? You see? And then you just sit down and you're watching a documentary on news that tells, say, reading, somebody just flipping paper. Hey, it didn't make sense. But you see, as you mature, the few times I put, you know, uh, uh, channels, uh, is to listen to news. If there's any other program, I remove it. Because what has happened? I have come to mature. So my taste is changing. Praise the Lord. Somebody, you need to challenge yourself. Lord, I want to love you. I want to love to study the Bible. Yes. Open it. You read verse 1. Or rather, one verse for two hours. Continue. You will overcome it. And you will see the beauty. Didn't the Bible say that the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field? It's not on the surface. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ admonished her. He said, do not cast your pearls, what? Before swines. He will not cast his pearls before swine. He says, you shall find me, what? When you have sought for me with what? All your, you can't skimp over God. He's too big for that. Praise the Lord. He's too big. He's too mighty for that. You must hunger. That's why he assured us, but he gave an assurance. He said, blessed are those who do what? Who hunger and thirst? If I see the hunger, I'll satisfy. So somebody needs to cry to, I want to hunger for your word. I want to hunger to pray. I want to pray. And like we've learned here, prayer is no drama. Prayer is just wanting to spend time with the one you love. With your father. Spend time. Let me tell you, the most critical thing about prayer is that you shut out everything. That's the only drama Jesus gave us. He says, when you pray, do what? Enter into your closet and walk, shut the door. Now, you don't have to have a physical closet, but anytime, even in the midst of people, you can shut your mind up to everything and say, Lord, I want to hear you. Or better still, you can shut your mind and say, Lord, I love you. I just want to hallow your presence, even in this moment, even in the midst of all this thing that is going on. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So we must come to where we relish. I don't know about you, but you see, I have a hunger. I want to enjoy the Lord. I want to relish him. I want the thought of him to be sweeter to me than even my beautiful wife. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to serve him. I want to adore him. I want to bask in his presence. I just want to sometimes just sit down. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just sometimes just want to sit down and say, Lord, you are so good. Lord, you are beautiful. Lord, you are excellent. Can you begin to talk to the Lord? Can you begin to just love on him? Can you begin just to worship him? Can you begin to just admire him? Tell him he's wonderful. He is wonderful. Tell him he's great. Sometimes I think, I say, God, you're big. Then I say, God, how can I say you're big? You're bigger than big. Then I realize that God is bigger than bigger than bigger. You see, he's indescribable. He's immeasurable. He's unquantifiable. He's inscrutable. You see, God is mighty. That is the God we serve. He's, ex- he's all of that and much more. Now, unless I enter into that dimension of exalting him and magnifying him, situations will come and I'll think they mean anything. No, let's magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord Exalt the name of the Lord. Listen to me, child of God. God is awesome. God is mighty. And he's eager to reveal himself in your situation. But you have to see him. You have to honor him. You have to reverence him. You have to celebrate him. You have to love on him. He said, treasure him. The scripture we read in Job says, and the almighty will be your gold. He himself. He says, yes, he'll be your gold and your precious silver. Then you will have the light. I'm talking about Job 22, 25 and 26. Then you will have your delight in the almighty and lift up your face to God. Lord, I want to love you. So we want to make a prayer tonight. And that prayer is taken from Psalm 27 verse 8. Psalm 27 verse 8. You can put it on the screen for us, please. It simply says, Psalm 27 is where we read one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. Verse 8, this is what verse 8 says. Verse 8 says, when you said, seek my face. My heart said to you, your face Lord, I will seek. So it's no longer a commandment, it's a delight. It's a delight. Lord, I want to delight in you. Lord, transform me. Transform me. I want to be a lover of God. 
I want to be a friend of God. I want to be a fan of God. Many of us are fans of different things that fluctuate, that change. But the Bible talks about our God. He said, with him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He says, every good gift. Is there any good thing in your life? Do you know that it's God that did it for you? Every good gift, every perfect gift. He said, it comes from above. The father of light, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He said, when you said, seek my face. Lord, I'm saying my heart, I want to seek you. You are my God. You are the God of my salvation. You are my God. I will seek you. I will worship you. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 18 verse 1 and 2. Psalm 18 verse 1 and 2. David was talking about the Lord. I saw that I couldn't help myself. He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. He said, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. My God, my strength. In whom I will trust. He said my shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. He says I will call upon the Lord. Who is worthy to be praised. That is how awesome. You open the book of Psalms. And just begin to sing things to the Lord. Begin to delight in him. Begin to magnify him. Praise the Lord somebody. One more scripture and then we round up. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. You can open to that very interesting one also. This is the Apostle John writing. And this is what he said. Maybe i read from verse 1 quickly. If we still have a bit of time so we can. He said that which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness. And declare to you that eternal life. Which was with the Father. And was manifested to us. That which we have seen. Verse 3 now. And heard. We declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son Jesus Christ. Now this is what he says in verse 4. He says these things we write to you. That your joy may be full. Can you give us the message translation of 3 and 4 only please. 3 and 4. Let's see what it says. It says we saw it. We heard it. Now we are telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to experience it. Sister, brother, watching, it doesn't matter what your personal situation is. If you experience this fellowship, your joy will be full. Sir, it doesn't matter what the world is. It doesn't matter the COVID-19 pandemic. It doesn't matter when you experience this fellowship. And he goes on to say, our motive for writing this is simply what? We want you to enjoy this. Two, your joy will double our joy. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you. We'll bless you, Lord. I will love you, Lord my God. The songwriter says, for the rest of my days, I will love you. I will love you. On Sunday, by the grace of God, we're going to mount, begin to see how we actually get into this. But I want you to keep praying. Let the Lord perfect this in you. Let the Lord satisfy me with himself. Lord, give me you. Give me you. Make me a worshiper. Let me enjoy you. Thank you, Jesus.
been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.